welcome back to the Banana Bus Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Voss, with my co-host, Mr. Henry Johnson. How are we, sir? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. I feel quite alive tonight. I don't know why. But Maybe it's like caffeine in you, but if there it's, is any. I don't know. It's probably because I actually did some real work yesterday, and it, I still kind of like in my system. I actually wow. got my hands dirty, which was really nice, instead of just pat testing everything. So I actually oh. I actually got dirty and like felt like a felt like a man, you know. She got got grimy. It was amazing. So yeah, I think that's it's all like flowing through me at the moment. I'm just freeing it up, dancing. Productivity vibe. Yeah. It carries on, but yeah. We shall see. <laughs> but it's not about us today. We have a guest. He's a returning guest. And uh it's Mr. Mark Blakemore. How are we, sir? Good, thank you. Good evening Good. to you both. Good evening. Good Hola. evening. Hola. <laughs> Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, you've been on before. You told us your story. And if you want to listen to Mark's story, you can go back and I can't even remember what episode it was because it was quite a long time ago. Oh, yeah, it was a good eight months ago. Possibly, possibly more. Possibly. Jeez. But Sad's had quite a good year, haven't they? We think so. Oh, well, I would say so. I mean, <laughs> um, where should we start? Should we we'll just start with the top and work our way down? So let's let's talk about the Elite Series for Sad. Because you come up, it's your first season in, and I would say 90% of your players probably haven't played at that level before. The only two players in the squad that had any elite experience was Joe Phillips and Simon Swinburne. So Joe had a, a year with the underdogs, yep. and Simon had a season and a half with London Top Cats. And what was the... Um... Because obviously you got announced quite late going into the elite se- season, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. So what was the what was the vibe in the camp like, knowing that you were going up? It it was a well I I'd, I'd known for a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, conversations had been had with various people. Should an opportunity arise if a team dropped out? You know. We, we could have stepped up potentially the year before, but we didn't think it was the timing was right. And with everything we've been working on within the club, building the structure and being far more transparent on how we run the club, we felt coming into this season that the time was right for us to look across the club and put together a new squad to have a go in elite. Uh, and... Once we announced it to the club, um, I think the initial reaction was it's just going to be Sad UK going to move up and everyone's going to shuffle up a spot. And I think the club was genuinely surprised when we announced that we'd be looking right across the entire club, looking for guys with potential commitments and we would not just be lifting and shifting the Div 1 team. In fact, only two members of the Div 1 team from 2020 actually moved up into the elite team. Oh, I didn't know that's how you did it, actually. 
because that's such a good philosophy being like we're going to like kind of start a new team like it's the people that the more committed people and obviously the people you saw potential be the ones in it and that's so what did you kind of have an idea using it as like kind of a building year yes like, it's a brutal like nine team league mm. Yeah. So you know the, the club really well, Henry, having spent a couple of years with us yourself. Yeah. And you know what we've been building towards. And so it just didn't feel right taking Sad UK after everything we've been through and just pushing Sad UK mm. up. That team, that particular squad had not earned their right to compete in elite. And we felt it was the right thing to do to create a brand new squad to represent the club. And Sad PC just seemed the right name for it. Um, when we made the announcement and actually named the squad, I think there were quite a few su surprise players. Um, but I think it's fair to say that we set out a store to say, well, anyone who wasn't delivering, we would look to replace them with one of the Div 1 boys. And we did, we've made a few changes over the year. And I think that's helped us as well because it's kept the competition quite tight. We've had our fair share of injuries and work commitments that we've lost players because. But I think one of the things that helps us is we've got so much depth now across the club. You know, we've got 40 regular race players competing from Division 4 right through to Elite now. So that helps a lot. But going back to the, the eight guys who started the season... Um, we set out some very, very simple goals. We knew it was going to be hard. Didn't appreciate how hard it was going to be. You know, I think we've had a couple of seasons where we played pre-season warm-up events and they don't really give you just what a big step up it is playing against the best players and best teams in the UK. The step up is, it's huge. Yeah. So we said, look, our first goal, let's win a point. You know, if, if we can win a point, if we can take a point off teams, we, we'll take that as a good start. You know, that the first round, we lost every game. And we either got mercyed or we were beat 5-1 or 5-2. That very first round, we went away quite happy that we put three points on the board. Yeah. And we said, well, next round, we come back stronger. We Let's try and avoid being mercyed. Let's try and avoid avoid the game full time you know we've worked hard to cut the penalties out and I think last round we had two penalties you know, round one I think we had some in, in region of eight or nine <laughs> yeah. so it sounds like one of our rounds <laughs> hey whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah and it is it's cut the do the basics well yeah um our kills on the break thanks to Max Wakefield's detailed analysis that he does our kills on the break was abysmal. And it kind of underlined to everyone that we do need to go back to basics and practice those fundamentals. Strangely enough, when we were playing attrition in the awful weather, in one point, we killed three on the break. Now, we did put it down to the fact that no one could see where the hell they were shooting, and it was probably <laughs> a pure fluke. But, <laughs> but you can't take anything away. If, you know, if it works killed, in the moment... Well, the survivability, the fact that the final round, every single game went to time. Yeah. No one beat us by more than two points, and we won a match. We came away from round five saying, right, 
we now know everything we've been doing throughout the year has been the right thing to do. And it's been a huge learning curve for me. You know, it's one thing coaching in the lower divisions where my experience helps when you're dealing with guys who don't have that experience. Yeah. But I'm well out of my depth. You know, I'm trying to coach a bunch of guys who've been playing, you know, haven't played at all in elite against outfits who've been together for ages. You know, and some of the calls I made were, you know, a little bit off the wall. But through the year, I've been, you know, big enough to turn around and say, well, that was me. You know, in one round, we, we were actually drawing against the Mustangs. And because the point wasn't going anywhere, I thought, oh, stuff this. We'll tell it. We've got, plenty of t- we've got plenty of time. We've already put two easy points on them. We can win this. But completely forgetting that momentum is a huge part of the game. Yeah. We gave them a point, and all of a sudden, they're 3-2 up, and all they had to do is defend that lead. And we got a mountain to climb. If I'd have had the confidence in the guys, who knows what that result would have been? Yeah. And winning breeds confidence. You know, yeah. With that first match against attrition, and attrition, you know, they're no pushovers. I, know, I think they'll say they had a bad round, but it, the conditions were the same for everyone. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, everyone had to so, play in it. Yeah, so with regards to the elite team, we will see a couple of changes in the team that takes the field for next season. You know, we've brought Dan Sanders in as our head coach and he's now become part of our management team. You know, and, and we're aware Dan's a little bit of a Marmite character and we happen <laughs> to like him. <laughs> yeah, but I think paintball needs characters. Um, there's no getting away from Dan. Paintball has a cast of characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... So, you know, we quite look to some of Dan's ideas. And we, we can't take away what Dan achieved with Skirmish Army in a very short space of time. Well, yeah, exactly. They, they did make podium as well. So. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Yeah, so... so Yeah, quietly looking forward to next season from the elite perspective. Well, the, the good thing is, is because you've got, like I said, it was a hard, it was a tough season, obviously for Sad coming up, and like you said, you, you've you've taken your beatings, but you had small goals which add up to a bigger picture in the end. You've got that one win, which should put a bit of a skip in the step of the Sad players going into the off season to go right. Okay, well, this is what we actually, you know, we now know the things that we need to work on. You, you know, you're not disillusioned about what aspects of the game you need to work on. You know everything. You've got the data, and hopefully, we see Sad come back stronger. Um, the one thing that really surprised all of us was just how much support that, as the season's gone on, I think teams have seen that we we're not bowed by getting beat. We, yeah. we're not we're not worried about <clears throat> getting a beat in. We're here for the long haul. And I think we've won the respect of quite a few teams. And I think the win against attrition just gave everyone that little bit of a zip going into the other three games. And all three games, they could have gone either way. They were all really tight games. Yeah. And we came away from that thinking, what a great day, apart from the weather. (laughs) See, I didn't mind the weather. I actually enjoyed playing in it. I'm just happy it was warm. If it was cold and wet, it, just, yeah. it would have been depressing. Yeah. If it was like another couple of weeks, 
time when it's starting to get really cold and then it was wet like you said that would have been like a different different story then i probably would have just packed up my stuff and gone home (laughs) (laughs) but no it is um okay well that was kind of the overview for the for the elite team and like i said hopefully they go into the off season stronger and come back out of it the other side you know stronger what have what about d1 because rather than speak about d1 and it what i'd like to do is just say let's look at our other four race teams because if you like that's the engine room that is driving our elite team forward so if we go wind all the way down to the bottom to our d4 team rds when we look at how rds performed last season they wiped the floor with division four you know they had three firsts two seconds and they ran away with the divisional championship. So coming into the season, everyone thought they were hot favourites to do it again, but they didn't realise that that's our introduction to our club members to race paintball. After they've had a season there, we look to move them into another team where we think they will add to that team, um, replacing guys who are probably taking time out or players who are naturally dropping down. You know, one thing paintball does have, it has an exceptionally high attrition rates actually at the higher levels so for us having this conveyor of players coming through so looking at sad rds coming into this season they came in with extremely high expectations and they struggled you know the majority of the squad had come up from division five you know and not a huge amount of playing experience you know so for them to come up not much winning experience behind them and they had stewart james and rob who been there for a year as the core of the team, but they struggled. They struggled to gel. And the transition from single point to race paintball took a little bit longer for them to get their heads around. But it, myself and Simon coached them through the year. And credit to them. Every round, they took on board the feedback. Every round, they came back stronger. And it was a great finish at the final round to see them take second place. You know, so... For us, it shows that the, the, the whole ideology of our RDS squad is to bring players in at the lower levels and introduce them into race in that environment. It works. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the previous year squad, that was just a complement of some really, really talented, raw individuals that came together just at the right time, and they just gelled. They gelled as friends, and they just destroyed teams. I think that was an unusual year. But for RDS this year to finish on the second, brilliant. Redemption, on the other hand, went the other way in Div 3. They started the year strong, taking a second place, and and then kind of because they've got three former Div 1 players in there as the backbone of the team. And when you look on paper, having that experience with four up-and-coming players around them, you'd, you'd expect them to do well. But fate played its hand, and I don't think they've they managed to field the consistent squad all year. So they started off strong with a second, and then their results were very hit and miss. Yeah, huge potential, but weren't training together often enough. And so, you know, this is why we have that tiered system. If we go up to our Div 2 team, yeah, we had to replace Josh Chatburn. And so we put Billy got his chance in Div 2. Sarah's had her chance in Div 2. And I think Sad Outlaws are the standout team for us this year. You know, they, they've made the finals four times out of five. 
taking two third places, two fourths, and, and taking third overall. So what it shows is, even though we haven't had that return in the form of podiums as we would have liked, we can see that we've got competitive squads right across our second tier of competitive players because they've all hit the podium, you know, albeit with two thirds and two second places on their day, they can compete in their relative divisions, which is good news for us. Yeah. Div, Div 1 team, really, the Div 1 team was an amalgamation of the entire pool of players in our Tier 1. We had horrendous issues. You know, I think the, the stuff that's going on in Eastern Europe played a part in one of our players' movements out to where, wherever he's based at the moment. So we lost Maka from our snake attack in the team. So we then had to shuffle the pack again. Work commitments and then Tom Billington having that horrific injury at round three. Oh, I remember Round that. four, sorry. So, yeah, so the Div 1 guys have really struggled. COVID's hit the players two or three times. So we've struggled to field a consistent team. I think the only player that's been consistent for every round has been Rich Quest. Shout out to Rich Quest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, well, Rich is a solid gun. But, you know, as a squad, Sadducate's the best year they've ever had. They've had a second place and a third place. All right. We had an awful event round four when Tom shattered his leg. But I think that was the more the impact and that shock setting in to the guys. I know it, it had a terrible impact on me because I've had a bad leg injury in the past. And it also shook a couple of the other guys in the squad. And I think it just completely threw them off the game. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, like, that's all about confidence, isn't it? You know, it yeah. can knock your confidence or put a bit of doubt in your mind. And then, yeah, it shows on shows in the, the stats, I guess. Well, that's it. I mean, because they've, they've been consistently in the top three, four. And to finish dead last, when their opening game, they were winning, I think they were winning it 3-0 when Tom broke his leg. And then their results just fell off the ball. But overall, when we look at our 40 players in our competitive race teams, a lot of competition for places. Now, we know a couple of players are going to be leaving us, taking time out. Um, We're not aware of anyone leaving us for another squad. But we've got a lot of interest from all the new guys who bought on this year in our Div 5 and our academy teams. So we're expecting a couple of those to step up. And it will just be just let, let's see how our internal trials pan out on the 12th. Yeah, and if we can, we want to try and announce our squads before that Christmas break so everyone can start training hard in January. It's good. I like it. I like it. I mean, the best thing, like when I play for you guys, the best thing about like all your race stuff, it's just the amount of opportunity you can have. It's just there. Like you don't have to have the barrier of like talking to a new team or finding a new team. It's just, if you want to move up, like you fight for it. And yeah, it's just quite nice that about opportunity. And it's really good for newer players just to like, I guess, find their feet in a way in divisions that I guess suit them. I, th- I think one of the things that we've changed from the time when you were with us, because you were with us playing in our our Div 2 squad, then our Div 1 squad. Yeah. It took us a while to have confidence to trust the younger players coming through. 
Uh, I think that was just a hang up from us old farts. And it's like, look, if, if, I, I, I won't be anything other but, but candid. There's yeah. no other way for me. Yeah. And if, if we don't give the younger players the opportunity, if they've got the commitment and the potential, the structure we now have, everything is laid out and documented in our club constitution. And if the guys put the efforts in, our coaches will see it and they'll be rewarded and given the opportunity. And the good thing about the club with the way the club's structured, we're working towards, we can't put a price cap in place because we don't control the price of things. But we try and manage it in such a way that the playing costs between the various levels in the club aren't huge. So cost doesn't become a barrier. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, should we um should we talk about the academy team? Yes. What would you like to know? Everything, because that was. It's like I said in the sort of pre-chat. That is our grassroots into paintball. You, you know, we we don't have a grassroots. So, what you are doing for the academy team is is our grassroots. You know, you've brought in. How many? Eight, is it? Well, we've ended up with eight youngsters. Yeah. We started We started off pre-season with eight. Um, one youngster I won't name because um, I'm a friend with his father, but I won't name him. Um, he got himself a girlfriend just before no. training. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, that old chestnut. That's boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well... We, we, won't, we won't say any more about it. So the plan was to have eight youngsters. And for the first few rounds, um, we had seven. Then another young lad, Nick Stedman, Nick Blissett, sorry, came along. Um, he just seemed like he'd been with the guys all through the season. He just fit straight in. Incredibly strong character for such a young, young lad. And an incredible little player. Yeah, so we thought, no. Yeah, come on. So we took him on board. So hopefully Nick's going to stay with us. I think he will because he kind of likes the club. Uh, but it's been an interesting journey for us. You know, we had this idea in the off season that wouldn't it be good to do something to help grow the sport and give something back? Yeah. Um, we just thought if we can take the cost out for parents and find a way to buy the markers, the air systems, and lean on our sponsors a little bit and see if they would help to support us and our sponsors have been brilliant you know, we massively underestimated how much it was going to cost to get everything we needed for the academy yeah if we hadn't have had the support from our sponsors and the wider paintball community this would not have happened now don't get me wrong the club has been brilliant we've put quite a bit of money in from the club to keep the youngsters going, but we've had a huge amount of support. The Shoot the Rainbow auction we did prior to the season kicking off raised almost £3,000. Jeez, that was a lot of money. Yeah, and all that money was went towards, you know, so all the guys were given brand new Anthrax playing trousers, jerseys, JT goggles, you know, brand new JT Flex 7s, They've all had headbands, T-shirts, backpacks. That The Ether 2 is belong to the club, but all the playing kit has been issued to the kids. It's theirs to keep. 
You know, so just the playing kit alone, we're talking getting on for two and a half thousand quid. Jeez. Um, it's so- scary how much you how much it is when you I dread to like actually put how much all my kit that I own is into like a spreadsheet and work out the cost because I just I take cry. It for granted because we do it in bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Yeah. So when we actually broke it down, I mean really I should shout out Leds. Leds was brilliant. The support from Leds in helping us acquire the ethers and his donation of the speeds to loaders. Brilliant. You know, Rhys Jones, uh, UK Global Insurance, he bought all the air systems for the kids. Uh, Anthrax did us a one-off deal to get all the playing gear for the kids. Just paintball and core outdoors did a deal for us to get the JT goggles. Uh, so all of our sponsors have clubbed together. I mean, go go to security. Uh, go to security owned by Carl Newman. Carl picked up the cost of the first two boxes of paint every time the guys competed. And all these little things have made it possible for us to support these eight youngsters in what's been a fabulous year. They yeah. started off as eight individuals. Yeah, the first session, they were hardly talking to each other. <laughs> you know, try, we were trying everything to get them to engage. And if you see their antics as towards the end of the season and the way they're all interacting, supporting each other, even going onto the field when the marshals are having a break, offering to clean the field down for the marshals so they could enjoy their lunch break. And that none of us put them up to it. That was all their own idea. Well, well they need to stop it because they're making us all look bad, right? <laughs> but they've, they've been absolutely brilliant. And it was at round four when the guys took third place. It kind of dawned on us that we'd really done a bad thing. We'd brought all these youngsters together. We'd put them on this fantastic journey. And they were actually starting to play as a team. And in an event's time, we're about to turn it all off and send them all on them little way. And you think, that doesn't feel right. You know, we can't really call it a programme when it takes a year, really, to understand the mechanics of the game and start to develop reasonable fundamentals. Yeah. So I put it to the club that we should turn it into a three-year programme. Okay. And turning it into a three-year program, the financial strain on ourselves, it wouldn't be sustainable. So we've been trying to figure out how we can do it. So you guys are the first to know that our academy for 2023, it will be a three-year program. And the entrance to that program will be one-off payments of £150. For £150, you get three years of paintball paid for by the club. Jeez. There are certain caveats, certain caveats to that. You know, you have to adhere to the club code of conduct. And it hasn't changed from when you were with us, Henry. Simple rules. Yeah. But for the youngsters, what we want them to do is if they're having a great time, don't tell us, tell their friends. If we want to see paintball grow, if we don't engage the youngsters, paintball is just going to wither and die. Yeah. So all these youngsters that we're bringing on, we're not doing it through altruism. What we're doing it is we want to see paintball survive. We want to see paintball grow. You know, so the youngsters will take a big chunk of the cost away for their parents. One off fee, £150. And we make nothing from that, just so Sean's clear. You heard it, Sean. £150 will pay for their playing jersey, their playing trousers, and a set of JT goggles. 
And if you can get all that for £150, you're doing better than I am. I was going to say, where are you getting that, that from <laughs> for that money? Like, I need to know these people. Right, so we don't need to buy the markers. We already have the yeah, yeah. We have the air systems. Yeah, we have the loaders. Yeah, so the new guys who come in to make up the class of 23 for next season, brilliant. Um, we're going to take a vote on all the youngsters who've competed this year. And the one that gets nominated for player of the year, a young you know, academy player of the year, they will be moved up. And they probably will be moved up into division four and they'll have their playing costs met for them for that, that season. So we're trying to find a way that we can make it sustainable. And we think by rewarding the player of the year, and I suppose initially we were a bit disappointed when we heard two of the guys are actually taking an opportunity to leave the academy. And we thought, well, what have we done wrong? And I don't know, no, no, let, let's just hear the story first. Why are they leaving? Well, the reason they're leaving, they've had, they've had such a good time playing competitive paintball, they've decided to link up with some of their friends and some of the guys locally. That's good. So on the surface, it might be, well, so sad's not for them. No, what we've done is we've said we've achieved what we wanted. They've actually spread the word and we're going to see a new team coming into CPPS based around these two youngsters who are leaving to be a part of this new team with their friends. Oh, nice. So to me, that's a success. Yeah. So when we know how many of the academy are going to carry on for next year, and the, the, the offer is out there for all of them. We've told them if they want to play another season in breakout. I mean, the average age is 13. So I don't think anyone can complain that they're playing too low a division, even though a lot of the adults that play them do now fear them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then we're just really pleased at the way this is panning out. Yeah, I mean, um, the good thing from watching them from when they first started in their first round of um of breakout to their 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 last game in breakout is obviously the fundamentals have, have got stronger through the year their you know their teamwork's got stronger but they're also getting their own personalities on the field yeah. they're not just these children now they are you know, they're, they're giving sort of attitude out to the other teams. And it is, although like, you could probably like, all right, yeah, pack it in. You, you won a game, congratulations. But that's good because then they start getting the confidence to go against these bigger and better teams than themselves because then they're, they're not fearing um, as such, if you know what I mean. Oh, 100%. So we made a conscious decision right from the start when we brought the youngsters in. Their first two training sessions were done in isolation. More familiarity sessions. So th this is the marker, this so it works, you know, that point that end away from you. You know, give them the basics, make Don't it look fun. Down the barrel. Yeah, we didn't introduce <laughs> them to the wider club until they'd had two training sessions under the belt. When I started to train with the club, when it came to you know training games and scenarios we said, right, you guys don't change your gun settings. You've got to keep your guns on semi, 8B PPS, 280 FPS. The only thing we said to the rest of the players in the club, you know, 
these guys are really, really new. They are the future of the sport. You know, yes, shoot them, but no overkill. Yeah. yeah. You know, one and two ball them, occasionally put a bit of paint on them. But because they've been training against the whole raft of players across the club, their confidence has just gone through the ceiling. And we've had offers from lots of the teams in breakout for the, the youngsters to train with them. And we've politely refused because they've got the opportunity to train with our guys who are playing right league structure. Yeah. And you can see it, it's helped them. It's helped them a lot. Yeah, well, at the end of the so day, if you don't, looking you don't forward play to seeing, teams. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a really good thing. We've enjoyed it. And they are really nice young guys. Cheeky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see that a lot yeah. of, on the field from them all. Um, in terms of, obviously, because you said you've got the the markers and the loaders and the, the air systems already, um, these guys that um, have, have played the season now, are they going to... You said they've got the opportunities to play breakout again for, for next yes. season. But if they go up, do they still use the markers or would that... Would you filter feed some other, try to get some newer, new, new players in as well? Well, I think a lot depends on how many people apply for the, the Academy 23 squad. As it stands today, we know we've, <clears throat> from the eight that finished the season, we know we still have six of them. Okay. Yeah. And the, the nice thing about it, I mean, Jamie and Matty, who did a great job coaching the youngsters through the season, which we thought was a nice touch, both Jamie and Matty being products of the academy themselves. You know, they both asked, could they coach the youngsters? And we said, by all means, you're probably going to relate to them a lot better than us old crusties are. And, <laughs> and, it, and it worked really well. You know, so for us, one of the things Jamie struggled with and Matty was sitting players. And I took quite a mercenary view on it. I said, look, we're not penalising the guys financially because we're just giving them the opportunity to play. But yeah. it has to come at a cost. If the guys aren't ready, they don't play. You know, if the guys are messing around, they don't play. Yeah, You've got a squad. There's no financial impact on them. Treat it as your squad. Mm. If you know there's a point you need to win... And you know that if you play this com com you know, combination of players, you've got a chance of winning that point. What you're going to do is start to develop confidence in the line, but explain to the other guys why they're not playing. Yeah. Uh, in one round, one of the youngsters was constantly taking his pack and he, his playing top off, couldn't find his goggles, and he was rushing around, kept trying. And I just said to Matty, look, tell him he's got to sit a couple of games. But tell him if he's not ready, he won't be playing at all. As soon as Matty explained to him, he didn't take his pack off again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just, you've, you've got to make sure you're engaging with the youngsters and making them aware, well, why aren't I playing? I mean, yeah. the one lad wouldn't help pot up. He'd just want to go on the field, shoot paint, and come back, sit down, and then miraculously his loader would be full of paint again. And when it came to play, he wanted to go and play. What he wanted to do is just walk on the field and shoot paint. 
We said, well, no, you're not helping. And as mm, soon as we is... explained, oh, he, he was like a pack horse. Every time we needed paint, he was away. <laughs> he'd, go, he'd come back with a box of paint and between points, he'd be in there filling paint up. But this can is we, because... um, can we Can we borrow him to sort of teach Tom Davies some lessons? Uh, yeah, we've right. got one of those. Yeah, we've, we've we should probably those. do the same <laughs> thing in a <laughs> You know, yeah. Like, right, TD, you're sitting down, all right? You're not ready, mate. You're not helping. Throw yourself in the bin, sir. <laughs> that, that's been a standard rule that's been introduced pretty much right across the club now. If you're late, if you're late for event day... You, you sit the first game. Yeah. If, if you're not pulling your weight, you're going to sit points. Yeah. Just basic teamwork as well. Yeah. But at least you're teaching, at least you're teaching these kids that from the start, like it's just life skills, isn't it? Yeah. hundred percent. No, I, I was, I've been quite, um, quite intrigued by the, the Academy team of how they, how they were going to get on this year. And um, like I said, from watching them from their first game, to the last game of round five, you can definitely see the growth. Brilliant. And because that there are three of them that are only 12 now, uh, they've got great paintball futures in front of them if they choose to follow that path. But if yeah. not, I mean, one, one of the youngsters, again, I won't name him, but one of the youngsters start the season he was quite you know wasn't really engaging with many across the club I think he came in and he knew a couple of people within the club and he talked to them but outside of that he wouldn't really engage more. and it, it, I got some feeds that at school he, his relationship with people at school had changed his confidence at school had grown and there was a day where they were coming in after a school break and they were all asked, what had you done over the last couple of weeks? And this youngster said, well, I've been training with the paintball club and my team, getting ready to take part in the competition. And some of the other young lads going, oh, yeah, I've done paintball. Yeah, I've done paintball. Did it for a birthday. And this young lad said, no, no, I play in the league. And he took the Twitch feed and he's showing the teacher and his classmates and they could just, they were blown away. They couldn't believe that this quiet young lad was actually quite a demon on the field. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. And I think that's why, um, and I hope, I know it's a strain on Ainsley's and, and all the staff's backs with the, the split weekends, but I think it's such a good thing for every division to be able to get to watch themselves play. And also, like you said, like that young lad then went and shared that with his classmates. Like that's such a big thing. To, to be able to show your mates. Like, let's be honest, how many people have you ever spoke to? Then you go, Oh yeah, I play paintball. And they're like, oh what stag dudes? No, actually, this. And you that instead of just trying to explain to them where you're spending like half an hour and they still like you know, you actually yeah. just show them and then they get it, you know? So that's like a... That's, I like that. I hope Ainsley does it again next year. It's really I think good. the format this year worked really well. I think it takes a lot of pressure off just having one division there on a weekend day over three or four weekends and to start and finish the season the way he has, I think that format works really well. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I, I really like it. Okay, so that's the academy team. 
what's um any sort of future plans for for sad well next next year's it's a big year for us in the respect that it's 30 years since the club was founded jesus older than me yeah uh, you know, so we can't lay claim to have been active in all of those 30 years when the club wasn't you know we were dormant for around six years I mean, I stopped playing in 2004. A few of the guys carried on playing. That's where Sad Old Boys came in. They actually carried on, played a few mills, made a couple of Sunday clubs. You know, so they carried on. And I'm pretty sure they carried on to about 2008. Uh, so 2013, when we came back, so I've, I've done like two 10-year stints now. But... From 1993 to 2023, 30 years since we were founded. Uh, so we, we're planning something special. What we'd like to do, we'd like to put a bit more time and effort and investment into developing the Woodland team. Okay. And big shout out to Neil Rawlings. Neil has been an absolute star. Uh, credit to his dad. His dad, once upon a time, was one of the oldest players in the club. Uh, going back in the mid-90s when Keith played for us, he was 57. Um, I'm still playing. I'm 58 now. So, Keith, wherever you are, I've beat your record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all credit to Neil. Neil runs the Woodland squad single-handedly. And that, they, do, they have their moments. The biggest issue we have is keeping younger players interested in playing Woodland. Yeah, we take some of them down and we get them to play around and then they come up and they meet Suppair and a lot of them just want that instant adrenaline run that, that you get with Suppair. And I don't know why we can't get more youngsters into playing, you know, in the woods or some of the concept games, but it's been a struggle. So we want to put a little bit more time and effort into supporting the development of our Woodland team and our ECPL team. We were gutted that through circumstances, a club like ourselves just couldn't get together the players that we needed to field a team in the last round of the ECPL. Um, but that's life, you know, you just have to take it on the chin. Yeah. So we'd like to make a solid commitment and look at, if not ECPL, we'd like to do another series. You know, uh, and maybe we put the Renegades back as to where they were originally destined Sad Renegades was a team that was just drawn from right across the club that played in any regional events around the UK. So the Renegades had always done well playing at Nottingham Skirmish. So wouldn't be too surprised if we start to see sad teams popping up regularly down at Skirmish. Um, we are keen on getting back out onto the European circuit, but that's going to come down to cost. Yeah. Our main focus is the top and bottom of the club. Carry on doing what we're doing with the academy and keep building and refining the layers in between. So eventually the players that come out at the top tier are going to be representing and taking teams down for us in the elite league. You know, the guys who've been played this year, they've set the bar and that's a challenge for the youngsters coming through to lift that bar. You know, our record of our first season in elite is 19 and one. So that's a challenge for the elite team going into next year. That's the bar. You need to beat it. Yeah, definitely. It's not about what other teams are doing. It's about us. Focus on your own lane, as they say. Stay in your lane. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. 
<gülüyor> Coming for you. Selam. Well, we kind of spoke about paintball, but you're a busy man yourself. You know. Well, that no, he's not a busy man anymore. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> well, he's retired now, but that doesn't stop him. He's still a busy man because you've got into something a little bit more niche, haven't you? I wouldn't say it's niche. I've been doing it most of my adult life. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> but so, you, yeah, I, I, you you can explain it. Come on. So one one of my annoying character traits is when someone tells me you can't do it like that. So I I got into brewing by accident. My old professional team when I left work, uh, they bought me a brew kit, um, loads of nice other gifts. But one of the gifts was this brew kit, and it sat in the garage for almost a year. I don't brew kit. What do I want to brew my own beer for? I know what beer I like. And I felt bad. I was cleaning the garage out and this brew kit was there and I noticed it got an expiration date on it. I thought, well, that's really disrespectful if I don't at least have a go when the guys had took time out to buy it for me. So I gave it a go, uh, properly messed it up, um, probably left it far too close to its expiration date. Uh, but I thought, you know what? I've got to have a go at making at least one palatable beer just as a thank you to the guys, you know, that I managed for the best part of 20 years. So I went out and bought some more stuff, had a go, and it was all kit form. And I thought, oh, this kit stuff's really easy. And when you look into it, the ingredients are really easy to pick up. And you can make your own kits. And so I kind of refined it down to an art now where I buy the components that I want to make the type of beer that I want to drink. And I add the other components, the, the technical term is adjuncts, yeah. bits that make it taste different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like extra sugars, uh, other additions like orange peel. And I'm just playing around. Um, but it, it become increasingly aware, like paintball. You know, when you get into anything, when you look at it on the surface, oh, that's easy. But when you actually delve into something, you start to understand that actually there's a bit of science behind this. You know, my brews are inconsistent because I couldn't control the environment. So I went out and I bought a couple of really nice fermenters that have got a cooling circuit and a heating circuit built into them. And I can control the temperature to within a tenth of a degree. So the consistency of my fermenting is the same as it industry. You know, so I've taken a variable out. You know, so that, that's cool. I, I've just bought a glycol chiller. So I now pump glycol around the, the cooling belt instead of water, and that's even more efficient. So, it, so I'm on my 15th batch at the moment. Uh, so that's getting on for around 500 litres I've made so far. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. And Luke's actually, Luke's tasting it right now. I, I, I am, yes, I am doing, I'm doing <laughs> a, live, a, live, um, a live taste test right now. Um, and this one is the Ambrosia. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, this is this is really nice. Like, I'm more of a Just cider drinker, but this is really nice. It's um, it's got a sweeter taste to it, which mm. is so, I like. I've set a target to develop five or six different types of beer, and I'm more than happy to give them away. I have to be very careful because it. It is frowned upon to make large quantities of beer and give it away. 
But as, as I regard most paintballers as friends, um, and it's a gift, so I'm happy to gift them to anyone. Um, Thunderducks I gifted a few to, and they were really surprised because you made this. I went, yeah, and they tried it. because wow, you made this. So, yeah, it's, it's not bad. So, Henry, if, if you'd like me to, I can, when I go to CPPS, I'll make sure I've got a few in the car for you. Oh, I'd love to. I'm a beer drinker myself. I'm an alcohol enjoyer. Um, yeah, I'd love to try it. <laughs> I'm an alcohol enjoyer. Uh, but yeah, no, it looks maybe really fun. Maybe that's something they need to change at the AA meetings. <laughs> Hi, I'm Henry, and I am an alcohol enjoyer. Enjoyer. That probably sounds, it sounds too casual. Yeah. Sounds too positive. <laughs> <laughs> so from paintball to beer, yeah, what's so next? So if all goes well, um, I'll open my own small, small brewery, you know, 3,000 litres a year max, which is tiny, and just open two days a week to sell over the counter. Not in bottles, just direct to people who appreciate decent beer. Nice. So, new, sponsor, new sponsor for Sad Soon. Uh, one mandate. If, if it costs me anything... I'll stop doing it. <laughs> but I don't, it, I'm not doing it to make money, but no, it can't cost me money. Yeah, no, so no. Yeah, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Oh, wicked. Well, I can say this the Ambrosia, 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 that's how you say, it, isn't it? Yeah, what's the but, other one I gave you? Pardon? Oh, I can't remember the names of them. I can give you some others. You Why does it say Big Monkey on the front? It does say big monkey. It says beer monkey. Nice. <laughs> right. So, have you read the book The Chimp Paradox? Unfortunately, not. Well, go on. Give us give us a little blurb. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. It's really good. It it describes the human psychology. Basically, the chimp is our subconscious. So, when you drink alcohol, the our subconscious gets a bit rowdy. <laughs> But yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so be a monkey is just a play on the, the work called the chimp paradox. So when you put a lot of beer in, then your alter ego tends to come out. Oh, nice. I love that, actually. What was it? Did you, did you make all the, all the logo and stuff? No, Matt did it. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Bradley, Bradley looks sick. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And, well... Still got a lot of work to do, but it's hard work brewing and tasting beer. You keep testing, <laughs> you keep regular testing. That is, that's what I heard. This is strategy. Well, Just I've keep got trying, a, keep trying. I've got a small group of testers, and I'm mindful that you know I, I take it for granted because I know most of these guys for a while. Every now and again, I just if I see them, you know, I went around and saw a couple of my mates yesterday. Took them both a, a box of beer. It's like the one mate was an end, so I just put it under the under his van on his drive and left him a message. Look under your back wheel, and I got a message back later. He goes, "Oh, this is fantastic! Thanks very much." It's <laughs> just nice. But I tell everyone, if any time that it's too much, just let me know and I'll stop. But it's the feedback. If people like it, great. If you don't like it, tip it away, but tell me why. If I can get to the point where I can get people liking 60% of the beers I make, then I'll look to opening a bar. Sick. 
Jesus, fair play. Yeah, Barry Fogel, watch out. If the NXL's at CPPS next year, I might give you a run for your money. <laughs> I love it. Right, well, I think I've covered everything I wanted to talk about. Henry, yourself? Yeah, some really nice topics. I think I'm done. I just want to start about a beer and why I don't have any. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, no, I'm all good. Because I'm his favourite. <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question. Then. Okay, yeah. I got them. What are your aims, uh, Stoke Quest, for next year? Well, we definitely want to be consistently better. So we've had like we've had peaks and troughs this year, and the troughs being pretty major. And the peaks not being that high, but like our like operating windows pretty wide at the minute. And we kind of just want to get get nearer to the front. Like we feel like we've made progress this year, even if the the placings haven't said it. But we want to get nearer to that, like fight at the front and kind of start challenging those top teams more regularly rather than just getting like beaten out. But yeah, I don't know about you, Luke, but that's what that's what I'm that's what I think. Um yeah, I mean um just be part of Quest again, you know, is is just a an achievement for me um on its own is just being a, a decent player, you know, like maybe one of the starting five. I, I like that. You know, survivability is a big thing for me. That's that's my main I mean, issue. From for me, watching you guys and knowing you guys. It's one of those things that surprises me because the depth of talent across the squad and as a squad, you're solid. All the guys on the squad are good guys. They're reliable. Their fundamentals are good. Hard to dig out. And it's why aren't you turning these teams over? And for us, we look at Warped and think, you know, we take it to Warped. And then Aaron... Uh, Aaron is such an underrated player. He just think, oh, guys. And I hope you have a great season and I hope you regularly make it to quarters and progress beyond there. Uh, It'll make it a much more enjoyable season for everyone. But it's print working. What would you like to see change at CPPS? showers (laughs) showers <laughs> a bar maybe yeah 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 your bar <laughs> uh, i don't i don't know cuz um i don't know um it's a bit of a tough one isn't it really i do you know what i would really like to see more of more refs because i feel the refs kind of um kind of get sort of picked on as such really and there's not enough of them to sort of defend themselves if you know what I mean there's 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 what is there like 10 players to every ref something silly like that and it would just be nice if because I think they can get accused of obviously inconsistency or or people sort of saying that that ref is picking on me it would be nicer to see like a, a stronger unified or just more depth. Yeah. A bit more depth. Like, it'd be nice to have, like, because, well, in any sport, it's, you can't, it's inherently, humans inherently have biases. Mm. And it'd be nice if you could rotate, like, if we had a deeper depth of refs, you rotate more refs through the leagues. I think it'd be nice for everyone instead of, like, getting to these, like, cultures of, like, because you have, like, ultimates for 
like each divisions that are like pretty regular like it'd be nice to kind of change that up a bit um and just kind of change the personnel like switch I, them I, in I and out, you know what I mean I think you're both right I think one thing that would help is trying to create a deeper pool of referees but one thing that I would like for Ains and Dylan to consider is especially on the live stream is to have a ref in the booth. Yeah. It, it, it would be we good see to in have... NXL. Yeah. Yeah, in the NXL, when there's those key calls, you know, and I know the technology costs, but having that elevated position could resolve some calls that aren't apparently clear. Mm. And I think having a ref up there may help get that perspective that's quite a really good idea actually get a whole perspective of the game because obviously in your ref you're locked into like your your like position yeah. on the field and like i guess your segment whoever yeah. your ultimate is perhaps they should be sat there in the booth get on the ta- you know the towers they have in the corner yeah, the cam- have the cameras put that whack that in the middle no you need like an umpire um chair yeah like tennis sits <laughs> up there with a little umbrella over his head you know sort of I oh, know what you need is one of those on the high tension wires, like the follow cams. <laughs> yeah, you need one in a helicopter and just keep yeah, him up there. The... It's just he's just on a tightrope with a little little bike, no balancing beam. Just yeah. but joking <laughs> aside, I, I think you know, take the take the ultimate off the field, put them in a position where they've got a better view. Have a head judge who's he can be in you know, mic contact with. But walk talkie. Use your tech yeah, use your technology. You know in a lot of sports now, you know, because there's always been this debate with football that VAR has stopped the flow of game. Well, it's because the dicks in the VAR booth take too long to make a decision. When you look at cricket and you look at rugby, you know, the Cricket World Cup and the Rugby World Cup are both going at the moment. Mm-hmm. And those refs make a decision in less than 30 seconds. That's a very good sign, that is. Look, I think you like that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did like that one. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that. <laughs> I'd also like to see, and this is my own personal thing, penalties should mean something. In what um, context? Yeah. Yeah, so we know they're minors. It, sometimes they can be accidentally triggered. You know, so it's not a conscious act to try and deceive or cheat, but it's rebalancing the game. You know, so there's two schools of thought where you get hit in your pods, or you get hit on the front of your loader or on your feed neck. High percentage of the time, you're not going to be aware of that. But the rules say if you carry on, if you carry on, that's a minor. But is the player consciously trying to influence the game? Are they aware? So minors aside, I think certain penalties should carry more weight. So anyone who deliberately tries to lose a hit, I think they should look at potentially something like a basketball court. You know. If you get caught deliberately losing a hit or trying to lose a hit, then you should have to sit the remainder of that match out. Fair. Bold. There's a bit more uh, sort of consequence. Absolutely. Because there is no consequence. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, people will be honest. People will say whatever they want to say. But if we want to push the game forward, any other competitive sport where there are penalties that can be incurred, the severity means something. We don't have anything paintball that is equivalent to getting sent off. So if, if as a player, I'm not saying players do this, they might, but do they push the rule thinking, well, actually, we've got, we're, we're enough up on points, we only need this one, there's enough to take the penalty, it doesn't matter. Okay. So you're saying replace the red flag with the red card, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's having the, ref, the logic. The, having the ref in the booth would be ideal because the, the only issue you've got it's down, it's subjective. It's down to what the ref deems, mm. and this then comes back to the consistency and experience of refs. Yeah, so the current system works. You know, we we might like it, might not like it, might put pick holes in it, but it works. And for me and all of the club, a big thank you to everyone out there who gives up the time for, you know, I'm not going to say whether it's good money or bad money, but they give up their time to get abused and shot at a lot mm -hmm. so we can do what we enjoy doing. So to all the refs out there, thank you. So it's not a slight on the refs. It's just how can we make the game better? Yeah, definitely. I like it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think we'll leave it on that. Um, Food for thought. Yeah, food for thought. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, thank you for coming back on. Um, and so it was thank nice to sort of catch up one. about um, Sad's progression over the year. Thank you very much. No Take worries. Take care, both of you. Nice. And see you soon. Cheers, Mark. Ta-ta. Ta -ta.